We'll continue in our, in our STP studies and, and testimonies this week. We have Ashish. We have, a, a, uh, who else do we have? A, Nathan and Venu. Sorry, I had it in my head and missed it. And then finally, we'll have a devotional by Stephen John. So three people will come up and give their testimonies, kind of how God has changed their life. And then we'll have a brief uh, devotional as well. So enjoy this morning. For those who don't know me, uh, my name is Ashish Diara. Uh, I fellowship here at Hilly Bible Chapel. And um, just a background on my life, I was born in India and I moved to the United States in 2008. Uh, my family, wow, uh, my family and I lived in multiple states here and um, in 2010 we uh, moved to California and settled here. And um, since and when we, we started to live in California, we fellowshiped at Grace Bible Chapel. And now uh, we fellowship here at Hillview. So through my family and my journey from India all the way up till now, God has been faithful and he's been providing for us and I thank the Lord for that. I was privileged to be raised in a Christian home, and I've attended churches, uh, fellowships, Bible studies, uh, boys clubs, Awana, and I was surrounded by Christian influences. And um, today, um, today I'm not going to be talking about my salvation testimony. I'm going to be talking about a way the Lord helped me uh, last year in a difficult time. Uh, started mid-September of um, uh, 2021. One evening after coming home from a high school event from my church, from Hillview here, uh, I got news that my grandmother had died just a few minutes earlier. At that moment, I could not believe that it was actually happening. It seemed that everything in my life had just come to a screeching halt. I didn't know what to do. I was shocked and sad. The next day, my dad traveled to India for my grandmother's funeral. It was very hard for my, my dad not being home. I put on a face that seemed that everything was okay, but it wasn't. During that time, God comforted me through a song based on John 16.33, titled Take Heart by Matthew West. I'm going to read an excerpt from the song. Woke up this morning, and life as you know it looks nothing like the kind of life you knew before. All of a sudden, fear stole the headlines, and it doesn't feel safe to even step outside your door. In this world, you will have trouble but I have overcome the world. So take heart, take a breath. Let me lift that heavy weight up off your chest. Take my hand, I know it's looking dark. When the world falls all around you, I won't let you fall apart. Take heart, take heart. 
This song greatly comforted me in this time of tribulation. It reminded me that God cared about my struggles and pains, and he was there for me. Another verse that helped me was 2 Corinthians verse one, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to God, our Father. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Since I was really confused and sad at the time, I tried to reason what could be the cause of this. I started to ask questions like, why would God do something like this? And then I started blaming God for my pain. Then I began, then I began to think that somehow that my grandma's death was because of my sin. It was a punishment that God was inflicting on me. I started to drown in my own self-pity and despair. It even went to the extent that I started to doubt my salvation. But God graciously sent two individuals into my life who happened to be my close friends. They were there to listen to me, sympathize with me, but they spoke the truth. God used them to snap me out of my self-wallowing, and they told me what I needed to hear, which are God's word, that he loved me, he cared about me, and he was there to comfort me, and that as a Christian, if I sin, God has graciously provided the process of sanctification. God, they reminded me that God's promise is that he was always faithful and righteous to forgive my sin and to cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. These two individuals played a big role in me turning back to God and trusting him again. And for that, I cannot thank them enough. Also, when I was really sad and confused, I thought that maybe I was not truly saved because I believed the lie that Christians are Christians shouldn't struggle with death so much. We know that we're going to go to heaven when we die, so why are, we, why are we so sad? Why am I so sad? If I knew that I were, if I were truly saved, I wouldn't be sad about my grandmother passing. But God helped me remember the passage in the Bible, which is John chapter 11. In this chapter, Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, was very sick. Jesus was informed about it and was asked to come heal Lazarus. But Jesus waited two days before he traveled to where Lazarus was. He did this so that God would be glorified in his imminent resurrection of Lazarus. By the time Jesus got there, Lazarus had died. Even though Jesus, know, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus cried. The Bible says Jesus wept. God helped me realize that being sad is an emotion that symbolizes something I value. And in this case, Jesus valued Lazarus. Later, through Lazarus' resurrection, people believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as for me, I valued my grandma, her selfless spirit, 
even though we had a language barrier between us, she still loved me and was concerned for my well-being. I realized that through her death, God's glory was manifested by her example. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in closing, God comforted me when I was sad. He reminded me of the redemption I have in him through sanctification. He showed me that sadness is okay and that God can manifest his glory in my experience. That was how God worked in my life during uh, that difficult time. Thanks for listening to my testimony. Hi, uh, my name is Venu Chandaka. Today, I want to share my testimony how I became a believer of Lord. Lord saved me from life, life of worshipping and serving idols to the living and true God. I was born and brought up in Hindu family from southern part of India. My parents are strong Hindu believers. During my childhood, my family moved to a place called Burra Caves in my native state, started a small restaurant business. Since my mother cooks very well and my father was educated per person, the, the, the restaurant business started growing quickly in the period of about 10 years. Because of this rapid growth of someone who moved to the area, the local villagers got jealous of us and wanted to drive us out of that village. In the Indian festivals, while doing Hindu worship, some people would act as being possessed by God's spirit. When that happens, they would shout and dance. In my language, we call it as punakam. So I believe it is to get uh, all attention and money from other people. In 2012, during one such occasion, one cunning person acted as crazy and started saying that the village god is ask asking my father's life as an offering. This is a trick planned by that cunning person to get rid of my father from restaurant business by convincing other villagers. My, my father filed a case against that cunning person and that case lasted for two years in the court. During that time, my father started thinking every day what kind of God he's been praying to who, who would ask his life as a sacrificial offering. He became atheist after that incident for two years. In 2014, my father went to a police station for, for that case and while he was waiting in the car, he heard a verse from pastor who is preaching nearby church, near to that uh, police station. This, this is the verse he heard from 2 Kings 25. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. In that situation, those words penetrated my father's heart because those are living words. So he went into the church and listened to the gospel that Jesus sacrificed himself for the people's sin. And my father later accepted Jesus Christ. So he converted to Christianity after that incident. At that time, I was working in New Delhi, capital of India, 
and I heard that my father got converted to Christianity and I went to my village to see him. I initially opposed my father's decision and argued with him for a couple of months that Christianity is a mission to spread the religion. I asked, why did you choose Jesus? Don't we have millions of God? Why did you choose foreign God? <laughs> we are actually from upper caste uh, in India, so I don't like to turning to the Christianity, which is considered as lower caste. My dad replied, son, till now what I taught to you and what I explained to you, everything is not truth. These idols don't deserve to be worshipped. And my father claimed that Jesus don't have any faults. He is the right person to be worshipped. I claim that the Bible also has sins and faults in it. To show that the Bible also has mistakes, I started reading the New Testaments in my native language, Telugu, <laughs> along with some translated Hindu books, sacred books, Gita and Ramayana, and, and also I read some part of Quran also. I want to tell a little, little bit about the books that I read. For Hinduism, it is a lie. I initially started exploring consistency of Hindu books to prove that they are reliable, but none of them are not connected. Gita was written by Vedavyas in Sanskrit around 2nd century, and Dwapara Yuga, the, uh, in Gita he discussed about Dwapara Yuga, and happened thousands of millions of years ago. Same thing even happened for Ramayana, which is written by Valmiki. These are sacred books in Hinduism. There is a conflict here. As uh, writer is not eyewitness, so it is hard to believe what he said is true or not. It could be imagination or his own story. And second point that I noticed in Hinduism is that my, 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 uh, my understanding of the God is he is almighty, powerful, and holy one. I noticed, I noticed that stories in those books failing to meet any of these qualifications, as a lot of gods in Hinduism were born in king's family and married to multiple wives and made same mistakes as human did. Then what is the difference between human and God? Then I, I looked into the Quran a little bit. I have a colleague. His name is Siddiq Beg Muhammad. I, I went to him and I asked about a little bit of Quran and he mentioned about uh, Muhammad who wrote the Quran. And I was excited to hear that uh, Jesus, Moses and Old Testament is there in the Quran and I was kind of surprised with that. But they rejected God and I was thinking by observing lifestyle of Muhammad, can we believe in, in, in him who wrote that uh, Quran. So I was looking the lifestyle of, of Muhammad. He married to many wives and couldn't uh, accept Quran as a word from God. And also it is convincing to me that achieving salvation by works is not the way. Truth. I was amazed when I, was, when I understood that Bible was written over 1500 years by 40 different authors from three different continents and 13 different languages. 
but everything seemed to be connected well and pointed to single person the lord jesus christ i came to know that there are lot of historical documents showing that existence of jesus and fulfillment of prophecies from old testament so i started reading gospels and started going to small church in bangalore while reading all these books and summarizing the character of different people i was amazed with jesus sensed as he is god going back to 2012 when i was not saved when i started working in hyderabad i always saw a verse on the wall i am the way truth and life no one comes to the father except through me it's on, it's on the wall of cemetery i did not believe it as a it it as it claims jesus as the only god while reading bible in 2016 when i came to the same verse john 14:6 i am the way truth and life no one comes to the father except through me i understood that he is not a way as in one of many he is the way as in one and only i accepted his word and believed in jesus and got saved in 2016 as word spoke with me i obeyed lord in baptism here in hillview october 2018 in my observation there are many lies and half truths in this world which lead us to the death only one truth exists that brings life to our soul that truth is narrow way that jesus talked about which he also promised that he he will help us to find when we seek him after accepting jesus i forsook praying for uh, hindu gods worshiping idols and started to grow in my faith in jesus due to this i came across lot of problems in india from the people that i love but i pray for their salvation throughout my journey i can convinced that the lord has helped me through his word and the believers to know my creator more and more thank you imagine being adopted by your father's killer imagine that man calling you his child your own children calling that man their grandfather in 1956 uh the huarani indian tribesman minkaye speared to death Nate Saint and Ed McCully. When Mankai was transformed by the glorious gospel, a close friendship developed between Mankai and Steve Saint, the son of Nate Saint, one of the original martyrs. A kinship bond was formed between them and Mankai saw Steve as his tribal son. Later when Steve was older and brought his family to live permanently with the tribe, Minkai considered Steve's children as his own grandchildren. What was the cause of this unbelievable relationship? 
Was it a superficial one uh, built on a foundation of fear and bitterness? Was it one caused by some kind of unreasonable pity? Or was it a supernatural fellowship brought about by the love of Jesus? Please turn with me to the book of Philemon. Book of Philemon, verses 17 through 20. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. A bit of a background on the book. Philemon was a resident of Colossae who heard the gospel and got saved through Paul's ministry. One of his slaves named Onesimus had run away from him to Rome, where he also met Paul and got saved through his ministry. Onesimus proved to be a valuable helper to Paul, and a close bond of fellowship fellowship was formed between them but they both decided that the proper thing to do was for Onesimus to go back to his master and write what had been wronged. This letter that we have before us is Paul interceding on behalf of Onesimus, presenting before Philemon the reasons why he should accept back his slave who is now his brother in Christ. The letter is said to be Paul's most personal, and it is evident why. We see Paul's earnest plea filled with tender words. Verse 11, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. Verse 12, I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. Verse 16, he is no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. After pouring out his heart, Paul concludes his plea in these four verses, verses 17 through 20. If then you regard me a partner, the word partner here is the word koinonos, from where we get the word koinonia. It is translated elsewhere in the Bible as sharer or partaker, the idea being that we have something in common, we share a common bond, namely the fellowship, which is found in Christ Jesus. In these four verses, Paul is calling Philemon to true fellowship, and in a sense, teaching him what it means by his own example. I believe there's much we can learn from these four verses, and they seem to indicate that ultimately, true fellowship is found in and centered around Christ and his love. I see three aspects in these four verses. First, true fellowship extends Christ's forgiveness. Secondly, true fellowship extends Christ's grace. And finally, true fellowship brings about refreshment in Christ. Verse 17, if then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. We see here that true fellowship extends Christ's forgiveness. 
Christ's forgiveness is unconditional. Titus 3, 5, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. This is the love that we are called to. Oh, but he wronged me. Doesn't he deserve to at least wallow in his guilt before I forgive him? We see here no requirements that Onesimus has to meet in order to earn Philemon's forgiveness. If God put conditions on his forgiveness, where would we be? God sought us while we were still sinners, while we were still wronging him. Christ's forgiveness is not only unconditional, but it is abundant. Colossians 1, 13 through 14, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus did not just forgive us enough to get us a ticket out of heaven, out of hell. He forgave us abundantly. We've been brought into his kingdom. We have been made his children. He has showered us with his love. Look at Paul's exhortation to Philemon. Accept him as you would me. If Paul was coming to Philemon's house, would he uh, pull out yesterday's leftovers from the fridge? Would he hand him a sleeping bag to sleep in? Of course not. He would clean the best room in the house and prepare a warm meal for him. He would anticipate his needs and do everything he could to meet them. That is the way we are called to love those who are kind to us, those who have wronged us. That is what true fellowship is, unconditional and abundant forgiveness. True fellowship extends Christ's forgiveness. True fellowship also extends Christ's grace. Verses 18 and 19a. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. This verse suggests, though doesn't clearly state, that Onesimus had stolen from his master, Philemon, when he had made his escape. The debt that Onesimus owed could not be ignored. He had no means of repaying it, so Paul said, I will repay. The apostle had written it with his own hand. Reading these verses and seeing Paul's heart of grace, we cannot help but to remember the grace that was shown to us on the cross. Ephesians 2.8, It is by grace you have been saved, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. There is nothing we could have done, no means by which we could have been saved, except through the gift of God. That is what grace is. Verse 19b, not to mention that you owe to me even your own self as well. Here Paul, with a touch of humor, reminds Philemon that he led him to the Lord. Philemon owes Paul his spiritual life. Philemon and Onesimus are on the same boat. They have both been shown the grace of God. They are both heading to hell. Now they are heading to heaven. In a sense, Paul is asking Philemon, what is it that really matters? Can the earthly barriers between you and Onesimus really compare with the bond you have in Christ Jesus? 
Let, let this be our mindset. Brothers and sisters, we are going to be together for eternity, understanding deeper and deeper what true fellowship is as the ages go by. Let us learn to extend to one another the grace and forgiveness that was shown to us. Finally, in verse 20, we see that true fellowship brings about refreshment in Christ. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. What does Paul mean by benefit and refresh? Well, the entire ordeal must have been very stressful for Paul. In addition to his already abundant load as an apostle and missionary, he now has to worry for Onesimus. Will Philemon welcome him? Will he accept him? Will he even give him anything to eat? Or will he spit in his face and beat him up? Onesimus also was probably very afraid and reluctant to go back to his master. Would, would he, he accept him? Even if he did accept him, will he ever be able to see him as his brother? These thoughts were probably running through Paul's mind, and we see Paul telling Philemon that if he were to obey the true calling of fellowship and accept Onesimus back, he would be refreshed. He would be put at ease. He would benefit. The word used there for refresh is anapao. Vine's dictionary says that it signifies to cause or permit one to cease from any labor or movement so as to recover strength. It implies previous toil and care. It implies previous toil and care. Striving for true fellowship is hard and often is very uncomfortable. It is not always something that we would like to do. Uh, in verse 13, Paul even said that his initial desire was to keep Onesimus with him. What are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of true fellowship? Are we willing to sacrifice our comfort? The end result of true fellowship is refreshment. And it won't just be any refreshment. According to this verse, it'll be refreshment in Christ. Christ has forgiven us unconditionally and abundantly. He's shown us grace by paying the debt that we could never. He has brought us into a love relationship with him, and it is this love that we are called to. How can that kind of a love bring anything less than the greatest refreshment and the truest fellowship? Let's pray. God, the price that you paid to bring us to fellowship with you is incomprehensible. Yet we or I um, often am reluctant to pursue fellowship over small disputes, let alone big disputes like the one in Philemon. God, help us to remember your example and learn from these verses and Paul's example and to pursue fellowship, Lord, even though it may be hard. I, I pray that you would 
um, bless these words, and I pray that we would take this to heart, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.